When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Scott. Before we get to today's Browns Training Camp podcast, I wanted to remind you about Football Insider. Now, it's really a great way to get in-depth coverage of the Browns during what I think everybody expects to be a really big season. A subscription gives you texts sent right to your phone from me, Dan, Mary Kay, and Ellis with updates and breaking news about the Browns, not just in training camp, but throughout the season. The subscription also gives you access to all that exclusive content you see on cleveland.com. A lot of it's free, but quite a bit requires a Football Insider subscription to access it. You also get our daily newsletter, which includes content that only subscribers get. So go to cleveland.com slash browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, and get signed up. All right, let's get to it. Here's today's Orange or Brown Talk podcast from Browns Training Camp. Here we go on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. The Browns wrapping up day two of joint practices with the Giants. Dan Lobby, Scott Patsko, Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, let's each do some takeaways here from this these Browns-Giants joint practices. Mary Kay, why don't you lead us off today? You know, I think one of the, the reigning themes of these couple of days was uh, the fact that, that David Njoku has really emerged uh, as a force and a threat uh, in that tight end room. Uh, we, you know, we had an opportunity to hear from him today. Uh, he talked about and confirmed what his agent told me last week, uh, that he would like to be here long term. I think he's established himself as the best tight end in this training camp so far. I think he's really flashed more so than Austin Hooper has. I thought he had a nice couple of days, especially the first day. And uh, and I, I, I think Baker really trusts him. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest takeaways for me of these couple of days. Scott, I think what we heard from David today was that stood out to me was, you know, obviously he kind of reiterated what his agent told Mary Kay, but then Baker was talking about this. I think Njoku was talking about this too, kind of, and, and we touched on this a little bit yesterday, unlocking that athleticism and understanding like, hey, DBs are going to respect your speed and you're just a big guy. So take advantage of that. I kind of got the sense that that's something that Baker and the coaching staff were I don't want to say maybe trying to get through to him, but just trying to make him fully understand, like, you're big and strong and fast. Like, use that to your advantage. Yeah, I, I thought that too. It's like somebody finally told him, you know, you're a big dude. <laughs> you should use that to your advantage. It, it's it's notable or it's noticeable out there how often they pass high to him and how often he's catching passes over the defender's head. And even before uh, Thursday's practice, when he did that multiple times, he was doing that, you know, uh, just you know, against his Browns teammates, and we've seen passes to the back of the end zone that are high and stuff like that. But it seems like they're really leaning into it elsewhere on the field, you know. Um, and you're right; he's. I mean, you look at that guy. I remember the very first press conference uh, when they had him and Garrett and Peppers and Peppers all up on the stage, and everybody's looking at Miles Garrett and you know, an incredibly you know, just this physically dominant looking person. And I'm thinking. Well, what about this guy at the other end down here, which is Njoku, who was just, you know, seemed equally as large back then. And yeah, it, it just makes sense when you look at him. It's like, why isn't this guy 
more active and doing just more. Why didn't he build off that second year that he had? And he had 80 some targets uh, his second year. And then, you know, it just, it's been a roller coaster ever since then. But uh, if, if this is what, what gets it done and, and makes him, uh, you know, a top tier tight end, then, you know, then good. Okay. Scott, what's your takeaway? My takeaway is we might've seen the most preseason action the Browns first teamers are going to get over these last two days. Uh, they are not going to play again. Uh, they're not going to play against the Giants on Sunday. That's what Kevin Stefanski mentioned. We don't know what's going to happen in Atlanta. Uh, so, but even if they do play in that game, these last two days might have still given us our most prolonged look at what this team is going to look like. Uh, and by the end of everything today, it was kind of a depleted group of people because. There were guys who left practice. You had your, I guess, third string center in there. Not that JC Treader was hurt, but he was just kind of not participating. I think even Wyatt Teller might have taken a, a session off in, in full team drill. So, and then on defensive side, obviously you have some injuries that have, that have crept up, but you still didn't have Clowney and, and Miles Garrett out there. Um, there was one point where they were doing kind of individual pass rushing drills, and I saw both of them run across the field together to this drill area. And I'm like, all right. We're going to, we're going to actually see them do something, but I think they just both, they both stood there the whole time and watched and maybe more for intimidation factor, but uh, yeah, it's, this is, this is it. And it was, it was kind of up and down today, but uh, you know, this might be all the work they get at least significant work. Yeah. Mary Kay, I mean, do you feel like you at least learned something about this team over these two days in that regard? Well, you know, I, I did. I mean, I thought that uh, the giants really came out today. And I, I thought that they brought so much more intensity. I think that they realized that uh, they got beat yesterday. You know, they got beaten both of their two-minute drills offensively and defensively. They just didn't have their best showing yesterday. And the Browns clearly, clearly looked like the better team. I thought that the Giants really came out today, uh, even, you know, defensively especially perhaps, and, and really just uh, – you know, showed a, a lot of, of grit and a lot of uh, fight in them. Jabril Peppers was jawing a lot. They, you know, they just brought it today differently than they did yesterday. So I think it was good work. It wasn't like uh, the Giants were completely overmatched by the Browns. I think the Giants, as we know, they have a good defense. So I think it was really, really good work for the Browns offense in particular. Uh, so I thought it went well from that standpoint. But as Scott mentioned, you know, you look out there and, you know, you're not, you're seeing a shell of the Browns defense. I mean, an absolute shell of the Browns defense. Sione Takitaki, not out there today. Miles Garrett, not in team. Jadavian Clowney, not in team. Grant Delpit, not in team. Denzel Ward, not in team. Greedy Williams walks off the field. So, you know, it, it's really kind of hard to gauge what you're looking at in terms of the quality of the football team because the defense is like decimated right now, or at least a lot of the guys are resting. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was really, really good work and, you know, worthwhile, even though I really don't, I'm not a fan of the joint practices because of the fighting and because of the injuries. Uh, but for the most part, it looks like they got some good work in and the Browns look fast. That's one thing that I can say is they play fast and they look fast. Right. So there's a few, a few threads here to kind of, get into before I do my takeaway. The first is even that defense depleted uh, three straight plays on Daniel Jones in the red zone, two interceptions bookended a, a ball that should have been intercepted with Richard LeCount 
and uh, Ronnie Harrison, Harrison that got the interceptions. And I did not see who had the knockaway uh, on the other play. Uh, but three straight plays, they, they stopped the Giants in the red zone, even with that depleted defense. But then also the Browns lost some depth in these practices. Um, you know, Jacob Phillips might have ended up as a starter, but he was still mostly a second teamer, but a very important piece. And now you've lost him for at best most of the season, if not all of it. Uh, you know, if now Porter Gustin, I saw him walking around a little bit after practice, he came out and got one of those milkshakes. They, they give those guys smoothies. So he seemed to be okay. Greedy Williams. We don't have an answer on yet as we're recording this, but that's something to keep an eye on. You, you just lost some of your depth today and, and that hurts you, you know, if these guys are out for a little while. Yeah. And, you, and you're still Grant Delpit, obviously Grant had that reactivation yeah. and uh, yeah, on defense, that that's a concern I would say. And Oh, and, Tuck, and Nick Harris, we should mention Nick Harris. Yeah. And that one looked to be the, the worst of the bunch. Yeah. All the more reason to not throw your starters out there, <laughs> but at the same time, then you're throwing your depth out there for a prolonged period of time. It's kind of a no-win situation. Maybe JC Treader's right. Maybe she just cancel the preseason altogether <laughs> and just practice the whole time. You know, you know, sometimes you have to wonder uh, because in addition to resting all these guys, uh, the way that they have been resting them, you know, that concerns me from a um, from a throwing them out there full speed standpoint in the opener. You know what I mean? I mean, there is something to be said, perhaps, for sort of ramping up into a little bit of contact and a little bit more intensity and practices and having those pads on and, and, you know, getting sort of your body and, you know, game ready. Uh, But these guys, and it didn't seem to bother them too much last year, but these guys are going to be for the most part uh, being thrown in into the fire against the, uh, against the Kansas city chiefs on September 12th. And uh, you just have to hope that all these hamstrings are going to hold up. Um, You know, it's um, you know, the, the hamstrings alone, I mean, that's just so bizarre to me. I, I, I can't figure out what's going on unless, you know, one theory that I have is, you know, maybe it has something to do with the field. I mean, probably not, but I mean, if I were the Browns, I would be trying to figure out every single thing I possibly could uh, to understand exactly why they've had double digit hamstring injuries this preseason. It's I've, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's strange. Now, the other, just the other thing we should mention too, when we talk about, you know, what kind of the practices and how they felt is you made it two full practices without a fight. And then we all got to kind of witness a fight about 15 minutes after practice ended when Troy Hill and, and Sterling Shepard went at it. So, like you said, Mary Kay, fights happen in these joint practices all the time. And, and in this case, it took a little longer than normal. We had to get through two full practices, but uh, in the end, somebody still had to end up throwing down. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, like, I'm assuming there's going to be a punishment involved, but you're, they're so depleted right now. They, they had Troy Hill playing on the outside. They had a manual. Is it Ragumba? Ragamba? Something like that. Undrafted free agent playing slot corner today, which did not go particularly well because MJ Stewart has also been out. Uh, if you're going to, you know, sideline Troy Hill because of that, you're, you're in trouble, I think, <laughs> from a from a secondary standpoint, and especially from a slot standpoint uh, for this Sunday's game. Well, you know what it might mean, actually, it might mean more reps for Troy Hill. Now, he would be considered sort of a starter. But remember, Baker joked 
before practice that Kevin Stefanski said he'd, he'd make him play in the game if he picked a fight or was involved in a fight. So this might mean some reps in the game for Troy Hill. We'll see how that goes. Uh, there's going to be some kind of a repercussion because Kevin Stefanski made it very, very clear. We have to protect ourselves. We have to protect each other. We can't be fighting in this. And so something, there will be something that happens. Kevin Stefanski didn't know about this uh, when, when he took the podium, but, um, but he's going he's gonna to see the film and the photos and, and he will address it in some way, probably privately, not anything that he will announce. But if you do happen to see Troy Hill, uh, you, you know, out on the football field a little bit on Sunday, I think we'll know what that's all about. I mean, look, they need bodies. They signed two linebackers today because they just need guys that can play on Sunday. So they need up, they need bodies. And if Troy Hill just volunteered himself, I'm sure Kevin Stefanski won't complain. Um, okay, my takeaway is, again, something we touched on a little bit yesterday, but I, um, I still believe it after today, even though the Giants played better. Because to me, and by the way, we got sirens, we got a train. There's all sorts of stuff happening here. Uh, but anyway, Mary Kay mentioned the Giants were better today. And they, they played better than they did yesterday. And I kind of view this like a basketball playoff series where a team comes out in game one and they get beat. Maybe they don't look great whatever for whatever reason. And usually they come back in game two and they just look better. Like they're more fired up. They have more energy. It's, it's when you're more desperate, right, you, you're going to look a little better than the other team that won the other day. So to me, I still just looked out there and I saw a Browns team that even beat up, not whole – was just better than the Giants. And that's, I don't know what the Giants are going to do this year. They might not be saying a ton, but they were just the better football team. And again, just to reiterate, the Browns are good. You know, I'm going to sound like Doug Lee Maurice. The, Brown, the Browns are good. And they looked like a team that's going to be good this, these two days. Yeah, that was a big takeaway. The, the Browns look like a really good football team. And we haven't even seen the half of it yet. We haven't even seen the defense together. We haven't even seen Odell Beckham Jr. in a team drill yet. Now we do see plenty of him off to the side with Baker Mayfield. Those guys are really working hard on their timing and their chemistry together. And that's really great for them. But, um, you know, we just, we just haven't seen what, what a full defense Browns defense is going to look like yet. And I, I just think that this team has the potential to be really, really good. One of the differences to me right now, it seems uh, and again, they didn't have Saquon Barkley on their side either, but it seems like, you know, it's a, again, it's a quarterback driven league and Baker Mayfield looks really good. Seems like Daniel Jones is getting better. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I think the Browns looked better is because of Baker over Daniel Jones. Yeah. You remember, uh, maybe it was last week. Uh, at some point, they were the Browns were doing red zone, and the first team offense was just having all sorts of trouble. And Baker ended up kind of voicing his displeasure. The Giants uh, and seven on seven in the red zone, it was the same thing. Like the two interceptions you mentioned there, and there were the overthrows. There were uh, there was at least one kind of just thrown at the feet of of, of, of a player because there was just nobody open. So that bodes well for the Browns, especially since like you said, it's it's not uh, everybody you ideally have out there, anyways. So. So that was good. And even when uh, offensively, you know, they were doing like one-on-one drills. I think Baker was like nine for nine uh, in, in passing. It was all wide receivers pretty much uh, in the red zone. And I watched and looked over at some of the Giants. And again, there's, you know, ball sailing out of the end zone. And so, yeah, you're right. The Browns are good. And I think they're in a much better situation quarterback-wise for sure. 
Hey, it's Dan, and before we get back to the podcast, let me tell you about our virtual Orange and Brown season kickoff event taking place on Wednesday, September 1st from 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. You can join Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, Doug Maurice, Terry Pluto, and me. We'll have in-depth discussions on the team, analysis, a live auction, and even some surprise cameos. Tickets for the event are free, and they can be reserved through the link in the bio of this podcast, or the description of this podcast, I should say. There's also a VIP experience. Enter for a chance to win tickets to a special smaller group VIP experience with Browns alumni players and Cleveland.com sports writers. There's only 150 tickets available for this special experience. So to enter the ticket sweepstakes, again, go to that link in the description of this podcast to enter. Again, that's our Orange and Brown virtual season kickoff event on Wednesday, September 1st from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Okay, real quick, let's look ahead to Sunday. What are we watching for? Scott, you go first this time. What are you watching for on Sunday when these two teams meet in the game? Well, we know we're going to be seeing guys down the depth chart. So I'm, I'm really watching for uh, Demetrius Felton in the backfield. It just seems like that's where he's going to get his work uh, this week. And, you know, I, you know, to see what he can do. I, can, is he pretty much just going to be a guy who runs, runs outside? Can he do anything, you know, on cutbacks and, and between the tackles, stuff like that? Uh, what can they get out of him? Because I think that aside, you know, special teams aside, that's important, obviously, to, to his position on this team. But if you're just a guy who can catch passes out of the backfield, it kind of diminishes, I guess, the whole point of drafting you in the first place. You want a guy who can get matchup situations for the Browns. So that's usually going to mean starting him in the backfield and then getting him out wide and making slower guys chase him. So I want to see what he does for sure. Um, and then, I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to see Anthony Schwartz. Uh, we didn't really see him today, I don't believe. No, he's still dealing with that hamstring that he, he re-aggravated. Well, I didn't, we don't know for sure, but yeah. he's still – It's. I would imagine it's related to that. Yeah, I would guess maybe not. But, I mean, both, mostly Felton. I was really hoping that we'd see both the, the rookies out there on offense. But, uh, you know, Baker said Felton's going to be a big part of their offense, and this is a chance for him to show it. Yeah, you know what? I mean, he – he just never disappoints, you know? I mean, it doesn't matter what he, what they have him doing. He's got the dual role going and, you know, here he was practicing against another team in a really good defense and he still showed up and he still looks 100% like he belongs and he is making up for a few injuries to other guys. Uh, because once again, you know, you, you've got Anthony Schwartz out, you've got Odell Beckham Jr. That's not practicing. So he's filled in admirably uh, and he's taken some reps away from having to have Nick Chubb out there too much. And, and, you know, even Kareem to a certain extent, I mean, he's taken a, a lot, a lot of reps and a lot of work and he looks, he looks really good. So I I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him too. I think they're going to try to get a package of plays somehow, some way uh, in for him early on in the season. Mary Kay, what are you watching for Sunday? Well, I'm, I'm going to watch the two uh, top rookies. I mean, you've got uh, Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Now, right now, you've got Greg Will- uh, Greedy Williams walked off today. So that means that by default right now, Greg Newsom, you know, might be the, you know, the starter, depending on what's going on with Greedy. Hopefully it's nothing serious and that he, he won't miss a beat. Oh, I have to sneeze. Sorry. Um, hopefully he will not miss a beat. Um, but you know, it almost means a little bit of a, uh, you know, a focus on Greg Newsom at that spot. He, you know, he might ha- have to, you know, be the starter there 
if Greedy needs a little bit more time. We do not know the answer to that yet, uh, but kind of the same thing for Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa right now. Jacob Phillips really was a guy that, in addition to being second team Mike, uh, they were cross-training him at other positions, and he was going to be taking some Will linebacker reps behind Mac Wilson as well. So now Jeremiah moves up. Too bad for Jacob Phillips. That that's I think it's significant. You want your third round pick from 2020 to step up into a bigger role, and he would have been a part of that linebacker rotation. So that's unfortunate for them, also from a special team standpoint. But Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa with Mac Wilson sort of ailing, Jacob Phillips out, Sioni Taki Taki kind of down with a hamstring uh, he's going to get a lot of reps and I think it's going to be another opportunity for him to go out and really you know jump off the screen and shine in this game something to keep an eye on is if he gets matched up with Evan Ingram early in the game Ingram got him today uh Daniel Jones didn't see it but Ingram ran by him he was a little frustrated when uh the ball didn't come his way late in practice so that's that, that'll be a fun matchup to watch if we get to see that on Sunday afternoon uh one other thing I guess what I'm going to watch for is Scott. It's not your favorite thing to talk about third wide receiver, (laughs) but I am going to go down the depth chart a little bit because I think it's safe to say like Donovan Peoples, Jones, Rashard Higgins, all those guys, whatever. Look, Damian Davis is pushing a little bit. Kadero Hodge has been a little bit up and down. There might be an opportunity there for one of these young receivers to kind of make their mark. Anthony Schwartz has struggled to get on the field. They might continue to play it safe with him Sunday, but uh, I, I think there's an opportunity there for someone to show something, even if it's like a Davion Davis saying, hey, at least keep me on the practice squad or Kadero Hodge kind of solidifying his spot on the roster. I think those guys are the types of guys who are going to play and they're going to have an opportunity to kind of make a statement or make a case at least on Sunday. Yeah, I think Davis and even Jojo Natson were out there a little bit with the first team uh, more than, than I was used to seeing them. And you're right. I think Davis is shooting for the practice squad. I don't see – I'd be surprised if he's – I mean, are they keeping six? Six uh, guys at wide receiver? Knows. I'd be kind of surprised. But I do think Daryl Hodge, uh, this is a big game for him uh, to go out and kind of just do something. It seemed like Donald Peoples-Jones got like a lighter load of practice today. So maybe maybe that bodes, you know, well for, for Daryl Hodge going into Sunday. Maybe he gets more snaps. Uh, but he is – I mean, after last season, after kind of taking on that third wide receiver role, it just seems like he hasn't gotten back to that. Um, even when he did come back from injury last season, it's, it's just been a struggle for him to kind of reclaim that role. And I don't know if he can, but at this point, I think it's more about just making this roster than worrying about, are you the you know third wide receiver or not? Yeah, definitely an intriguing position to watch because as you guys mentioned, uh, that, that back end of the room, uh, you know, there are some decisions to make there. I mean, Jojo Natson, he's obviously a bubble guy. I still think Kadero Hodge is going to make the team. I think they like him enough uh, that he's going to make the team. Uh, and then you've got, you know, then you've got some injured guys and maybe the injured guys will end up on some lists. And, you know, now you can bring guys, uh, you know, as many guys as you want to off of short-term IR. So I think that will drive some of the roster decisions here as they, they head towards final cutdowns a little bit later. You know, maybe it gives you an opportunity to keep, uh, you know, the Jamarcus Bradleys around for a little while or, or, or somebody like that. But, um, yeah, kind of intriguing. And I think what they're doing with Donovan Peoples-Jones now, as we mentioned yesterday a little bit, I think it's to the point where they've seen so much 
good stuff, great stuff from him this preseason. Now I think he's in like dialing back a little bit mode. And now let's see, hey, what can you do, Kaderil? You know, what you know, what can what can you do, Jojo? Um, so uh, we'll have to see how this goes. But I would have to think that number eleven, Donovan Peoples Jones, is gonna if he plays on Sunday, is gonna get in and out of there in a hurry. Yeah, I think the interesting thing on cut down day is gonna be, you know, like let's say an Anthony Schwartz, right? You've got to get him on the 53 and then you can put him on short-term IR the next day if you want to. So I think the more interesting days are going to come and it tends to happen this way. Like we sort of know what the roster is going to look like, but then it's going to get real interesting when they got to get those guys through and get on the waiver wire and wait for, wait for a guy like a Davy on Davis to clear waivers and, and things like that. So um, that, that's really when it's going to be interesting for this team. Okay. Our shout out today. It goes to Tyson from New Braunfels, our guy Tyson. He is one of our tech subscribers too, also a podcast listener. And he just says, great Browns content. And then his review is something nice with two smiley faces. See, even that, even just something simple like that, literally saying something nice. I can get you a mention here on our podcast, as long as it is paired with a five-star review. All right, that'll do it. Our Friday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We'll be back after the game on Sunday with another one. For Scott and Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening.